Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion today, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience of Smith Weekly, including Paul M., Nick W., Brent S., and Mike P. On the program today is a returning guest, Mr. Nico Kakaos has joined us. Nico is the president and CEO of Blue Sky Uranium, an Argentina-focused uranium exploration and project developer with its Amarillo Grande project and the Ivana Uranium Vanadium deposit in Rio Negro province, southern Argentina. Blue Sky is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol BSK and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol BKUCF. Nico, welcome back. How you doing? I'm doing well, Andrew. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure to be back. Yeah, Nico, likewise, it's been a while since you've been on the program. Matter of fact, uh, I think we're going on quite close to a year since we've had a company update from Blue Sky. And of course, uranium sector always fun and beat up in the dumpster, but uh, certainly opportunities are abundant in the sector, as you well know. Here we go, continue to move forward on the back of fantastic fundamentals. But as you know, a lot of people have been shaken out of this, but here we are nonetheless. Well, how about we get going here with, uh, on that topic, broad uranium mm -hmm. sector. At this point, maybe just talk about some, maybe some new things you've seen or are of note to you that has really transpired in this sector, say over the last six months or so. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, uh, your comment there that, you know, the, the sector is beat up and, um, I tend to take a more holistic and you know longer term viewpoint because you know we've been in this exploration business for some time now, uh, and uh, it was just about four years ago the price of spot price of uranium was hovering at around twenty dollars a pound or less, and and now it's at fifty two dollars. So from that vantage point, you know, in terms of running an exploration company, that's a very positive step. So that, you know, having a, a, an elevated uranium price like that and uh, with the outlook still looking positive and bullish rather for, for more increases as, as time goes on, um, I'm actually feeling very good about the pr price of uranium. You know, like everything in life, nothing goes up in a straight line. At least you don't want it to. Uh, there's pullbacks and there's adjustments, but the overall trend looks very, very positive. And the reason for that is, you know, we're seeing, uh, and at least I'm seeing uh, coming all, across my computer screen almost every morning uh, is uh, new uranium, uh, new nuclear facilities that are being built out around the world, uh, various countries or older ones that are having their lives extended. And uh, so there's a, there's a new, I think, just not just a resurgence, but an acceptance uh, with people for nuclear uh, electricity. Electricity is generated through nuclear powers. And, 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 and a lot of that is being driven, of course, with uh, you know, climate change concerns and uh, the need to have uh, carbon-free uh, generation of electricity. It's also recognizing that in, in these alternative ways of generating uh, carbon-free electricity, nuclear is really the only option that is available to provide consistent safe reliable baseload energy and be, because the other one the other 
sources of power, you know, both uh, solar and uh, wind, they're inter intermittent at this point. And nuclear is really, I, I think we're going to see a, its growth continued. And uh, I guess we could talk a little later, but uh, with uh, new uh, modular, uh, small modular reactors that are also being developed right now, I think there's an opportunity here to allow the you know uranium to have a, a really much much bigger presence and footprint in uh, our day-to-day -day lives it's about energy density right and that's the interesting point about everything here it's about energy density and quality of energy that's right um, no doubt the uranium price is fine the uranium equities are beat up but yes the uranium price is, is perfectly just fine everything surrounding the i'll be honest getting a little bit boring talking about it but the fundamentals are great. The carbon-free part of this, as you you and I both know, being in the, the mining side of things, that there's nothing about humanity that's carbon-free, uh, irrespective of what you're generating on power basis. Uh, everything requires some form of footprint. Yes. And uh, things like wind and solar are an absolute terrible, terrible decision with respect to footprint, with respect to component replacement, waste recycling, the footprint, everything else surrounding it, it is literally going backwards. What a sad poison pill that was taken with respect to these these sources of energy. It just absolutely, uh, I'll be honest, stupidity. Let's just cut it the way it is. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense on any scalable basis. No comparison to the quality and density of commercial nuclear power. Yeah, uh, you're, you're not going to make any significant human advances on wind and solar. It's just not going to happen. No, it, no. It's inferior to hydro. It's inferior to, to, to coal gas, you name it. Yeah. It's just inferior. So anyway, for what that's worth, but no, the sector looking great from a, a fundamental standpoint and all that, uh, the equities are certainly beat up. It's, uh, I think, a factor of a number of things specific to the market, uh, the uranium market, but then just the broad market, the weakness in the broad market and the fear surrounding the broad market, I think, is yeah. continuing to impact, of course, uranium equities. Why don't we just get into the company here, Nico, and give us an update on the capital structure of the company, the cash on hand, uh, how far you've seen that cash uh, gets you at this point, uh, if you had to stretch it, and then uh, shares outstanding, and then the holdings of insiders management and key investors well i mean we've got you know our market cap right now is hovering at around 20 to 25 million dollar canadian that's you know we're part of that uh equity sector pullback in the mining industry that you just finished talking about and uh, we've got you know just uh just over a couple hundred million shares out the cash on hand we're you know we're around a million dollars we're going to be looking to raise equity uh in the near future here raise some 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 cash in the near future that's what uh exploration companies uh do our company right now you know we, we're focused in like you said at the opening in argentina on a amarillo grande project and uh, it's a very unique project in that it represents an entire new district uh, in Argentina, an enormous district over 145 kilometers in length or about 90 miles in length with the potential to have multiple uranium discoveries. Of course, of interest is the geological uh, comparable to some of these districts in Kazakhstan, which are some of the largest and lowest cost producing districts. Um, this has the potential to rival some of these. And, uh, you know, the districts in Kazakhstan, they spent over half a century in, in terms of developing these and identifying them and you know getting them up to production and uh, with us we've got a lot more work to do 
but as we discover each making additional discoveries here, I think uh, the potential gains, uh, hopefully, in the revaluation of our company is going to, you know, reflect some some positive sentiment here for uh, for our shareholders. Interesting setup there, and I want to talk a little bit more about the issues in Argentina and how you guys plan to bring this forward. It's a fairly simple project as proposed in the PEA. You know, why don't we talk just briefly about that where we're at, Nico? Uh, you guys have been advancing work in Argentina, and you guys, uh, you know, have a lot of exposure to Argentina uh, throughout the group, Grosso Group. Talk about just the current status of the Ivana deposit, what you see as really the next steps. Um, this is PEA stage, of course. Yep. Uh, simple project, though, but I think some of the hurdles and I think some of the things investors want to hear from you guys on is this is in a new uranium jurisdiction and that yep. there hasn't been any commercial exports. You know, obviously you guys have good connections in Argentina. Give us kind of a bigger view of the runway for this company to bring this thing forward. If, if mm -hmm. there's nobody coming to buy out the company, which obviously there's more discovery potential. And of course, you know, the market may allow for people to come in and buy this company. But if you guys had to advance this, uh, just talk about some of the processes and realistic time frame. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, it's interesting because Argentina, many investors that I speak to don't realize that the country itself is a, it's a nuclear country. Um, in fact, Argentina has been in a nuclear business almost as long as the United States has. Uh, they have a very well developed nuclear industry there, uh, not just power plants and reactors, but they, they can refine their own fuel. They have a pilot enrichment plant, in fact, uh, in the same province where our project is uh, situated. They do research, they export their technology worldwide. They're quite well known. In fact, even the director of the International Atomic Energy is an Argentinian, which is, I guess, in a way you could say the tip of the hat to the sophistication of Argentina. The only the only thing that Argentina doesn't have is is right now is the production of uranium. Uh, so they import all their uranium needs, but they used to produce uranium in the past. Um, those have said mines have shut down because the government basically ran out of money at that time and, uh, and, and has never bothered tried to restart it. But our project right now, even at this early stage is, uh, arguably the largest and most advanced project in Argentina, the Ivana deposit, uh, and potential to expand that much, much more. And the neat thing about Argentina is by being a nuclear country, all the regulatory framework required for putting into production a uranium mine and moving, you know, radioactive materials around, those rules and regulations are already in place. Uh, in fact, the process is not much different than if you're looking to get permitted to put a copper mine into production or a gold mine. Uh, uranium, you just follow the same, you know, you follow the, the protocol and the rules that are already there. So from that point of view, um, Argentina is an excellent place in which to be uh, looking for uranium. And secondly, the province where we're uh, situated in, the province of Rio Negro, is uh, is a nuclear province. Um, they own a, a, the what we in Canada, we call a crown corporation, but like a state-owned corporation owned partially by the province, that this corporation does uh, nuclear research and uh, is quite well regarded around the world. And uh, so we're, all, we're in constant contact with both the federal 
regulators and with the provincial regulators. They know what we're doing and uh, they would love to see uh, a project like this uh, come to production at some point to be able to supply uranium domestically to the country of Argentina. And uh, of course, if we had excess, we would be in a position for exporting that. Like you said, the, the, the project itself, uh, within the Amarillo Grande project district there, we have the Ivana deposit. We, we did a PEA uh, about four years ago, but, uh, and, and, you know, it, it, the reason we did that at that early stage was to really demonstrate um, the competitiveness of a project like this, because it's situated uh, from surface within the first 25 meters of the surface. So there's been virtually no, no stripping ratio or anything. The PEA, what it showed uh, two key metrics, uh, in fact, uh, that we really focused on one was you know what would what are the capital costs for putting something like this into production and that came in at around 100 million dollars plus a 28 million dollar contingency fee uh but the reason we were we were focused on on what the capital costs are because we've got the ivana deposit and then we've already identified a number of other uh targets within the area that we're currently drilling right now that could yield additional deposits so Conceivably, we could operate all of this as a single mine through a single processing facility. Therefore, the, the fixed costs re would remain relatively fixed. And then, of course, the second thing that we looked at in that PEA was uh, the cash costs of uh, the extracting a single pound of uranium out of the ground. And that came in at just over $16 a pound, or if you include the all-in sustaining costs, just over $18 a pound. And when you compare this globally, this you know, if this mine, if this was a mine in production, you know, it would rank amongst the lowest cost producers in the world. So if a heck, potentially it was, it could be economic back in when the price of uranium was $20, let alone now when it's over 50. So it's a very exciting project and, uh, and it's very simple. The economics here, uh, looking very straightforward, very competitive. So our goal right now is to get out there and uh, drill, 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 and find additional uh, uranium pounds. Yeah, Nico, that sounds good. And from the, the perspective that the country is pretty well set up on the commercial nuclear side, not a history guy on Argentina uranium production, but has there ever been a non-governmental entity actually you know, commercially producing uranium and exporting it, or has it always been basically government oversight, government ownership? Because we see this in other places like yeah. Turkey, for example. Yeah. It, no, it has. There hasn't been a private company, but that I think is unique to Argentina's just mining industry in general. It wasn't really until 1992, uh, which is just over 30 years ago, that the country of Argentina changed its investment laws to permit foreign private investment in this mining industry. Prior to that, all, all mining was state owned and state held. So yeah, there were uranium mines back then that were a couple of them that were in production, but they were all owned by the, by the state. Now, since 1992, and then in fact, that's, that marks our year that the Grosser Group, our management team that became active in Argentina. So we're celebrating our 30 years this year of a continuous activity in Argentina. Um, and, and our pioneering efforts there. Since that time, there's been a lot of private investment in Argentina. It's yielded a lot of big mines, copper mines, gold mines. 
and nobody actually was really there there was a few short blips of looking for uranium but i think blue sky is probably the most significant uranium private and uranium explorer in argentina so we've got this uh, uh project right now that we're we can move forward we've got the support of the government uh they would love to see us uh, you know take this forward into production um you know we're not at that stage yet we still have a more exploration work to do but uh, uh i feel confident that uh, that's not going to be um that's not going to be a, a hurdle for us to to go forward on Congratulations on the long time work in Argentina. And of course, you guys have been quite successful in, in some of the other minerals in the country as well, Nico. And so on the project, so we're at PEA stage right now. It's it's a really simple, conventional at surface project. Um, you know, everything seems to look pretty good from metallurgy side, heap leach, if I recall correctly. You know, for you guys on this PEA, which is quite attractive as is, even in the current form, the project economically looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. Would you guys consider moving forward with a PFS here relatively soon and get that advanced for the well, potential to create an operation that could cash flow? Because obviously you guys have a lot of exploration ground and you can, you know, you just spend the next 10 years poking holes. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said earlier, you know, th these districts require sometimes up, up, upwards of 50 years to properly explore and uh, to develop. And, you know, we're not going to wait till that's all done. But uh, yeah, the PEA shows, um, some phenomenal uh, economics uh, here for the project and and the metallurgy it, you know interestingly the metallurgy was carried out uh, by Chuck Edwards uh, who used to be the chief metallurgist for Cameco for many years and uh, probably one of the most preeminent authorities in that field and uh, it was all done at the Saskatchewan Research Council uh, but the two-stage process for us uh, to get the uranium and vanadium to come out at the same time was just so simple a technique that uh, even I can understand because I'm not a geologist. And uh, it just involves just some simple wet scrubbing and screening uh, uh, so that you basically increasing your your grades uh, by fourfold. And then uh, the leaching process, it's, um, it's a very environmentally friendly leaching process. It's sodium bicarbonate and carbonate. Uh, it's an alkaline leaching process. And so basically it has a very negligible impact on the environment. And it's also very cheap and allows us to recover uh, both uh, uranium and vanadium uh, simultaneously. Um, putting something like this into production, it's like, the environment in which it's found it's more akin to a gravel uh operation than uh, than the, than a mining operation because there's not much there's no blasting there's no crushing required it's very straightforward but despite that andrew i don't i recognize that production requires a different skill set than does uh than does exploration i think our team our exceptional exploration team and uh, they're very good at finding additional resources and they're going to continue doing that um, when we make the decision to go forward and do go into production it's going to be after we do a pfs which we're already beginning to contemplate at this point and uh, it'll be it'll be in partnership or some kind of association with a larger producing uranium mining company somebody who understands these producer risks uh and has dealt with them before uh 
Uh, they're different than the expiration. It's almost like a different business. So I wouldn't want to jeopardize our project, you know, taking it forward on our own. I'd be, we'd be looking for, you know, a large uranium company or mid-sized uranium producing company to come in and uh, then we could either sell it to them or joint venture with them or whatever the the business combination would make sense at that time and makes most sense for the company and for our shareholders. But uh, we would, the one thing I know, I wouldn't contemplate doing this on our own. No, Nico, and I appreciate that. That's something to be said right there and just, you know, highlighting changes that would be needed with respect to expertise, bringing on an operation team, et cetera. Um, obviously, the group has pretty deep uh, relationships in the country, which is always useful. Um, yep. And there's probably talent and expertise that can be drawn upon within the country. I do appreciate that comment because, as you know, there's a number of companies in this sector who continue to fake it. Um, with respect to their ability to actually, you know, develop and, and actually produce and put cake in a can and get it off to the conversion facility, which is always, uh, you know, the end goal here, right? Obviously, the realization right. of cash flows. But, you know, I think this project and the team have a number of things going for it with the project being quite simple and you guys having, like I said, you know, congratulations again, 30 years um, in Argentina. And you guys have obviously had success with other minerals. So with respect to advancing Ivana on the PFS stage, which would be very useful to kind of put some tighter parameters around this project from PEA to PFS. But then also you guys are main focus here is to continuing to expand the resources, uh, potentially de-risk the project in terms of water permitting, et cetera. That'll be something mm -hmm. that you guys will start to look at as PFS uh, comes out here. But what are the immediate focus, say, over the next uh, 12 to 18 months, Nico, in terms of what you guys plan to accomplish on the ground and stepping up the efforts because the uranium market most likely will be conducive to higher prices, yep. and therefore you guys will want to take advantage of that? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think our next steps here are, well, we have an ongoing drill program. We've got, uh, including Ivana itself, there was five, five, five drill targets, uh, different target zones that are within a 30 kilometer radius of the Ivana deposit. And the idea is of course, to identify additional uranium pounds because, and focusing on this 30 kilometer zone, we could rub, run like a hub and spoke type of uh, central processing facility and keep our, uh, our, our capital expenditure costs, uh, fixed costs relatively fixed. Um, so obviously we have this drill program that's ongoing. The other thing that we're looking at doing and over the next uh, month or two here is to quickly update the PEA that we've got in place. And I like to do that for two reasons. Number one, we've done additional drilling on the Havana deposit and we've published these results since the last fall. Um, and that had a twofold uh, purpose. Uh, one was to drill in between uh, existing drill holes with the objective of tightening up the spacing and being able to increase the confidence in this deposit so we can conceivably move the resources there from an inferred resource into an indicated resource. And that could be a very significant, that's more significant because I think especially larger mining companies and institutional investors, you know, they require uh, indicated resources to, to, to show that level of confidence. And then the second uh, objective we did there is we stepped out 
uh, from the existing uh, deposit footprint and to test and see if there was room for uh, finding additional resources else out there so that we could grow the size of the Ivana deposit. And the results that we got back, we got some very positive results that came in from that too. So I think a new resource calculation is definitely in the uh, in, in the cards here. And uh, we'll be working on that to, to both upgrade the, the, the resource from inferred to indicated and hopefully uh, be able to expand it. And then with uh, the surrounding uh, exploration that we're doing, there may be some room for that, uh, adding additional pounds there too. But of course, the second thing is uh, the, the PEA was done back in 2019. Like I said earlier, the, the, the spot price of uranium was hovering at around you know, 19, $20 a pound. It would be great to do that uh, and have an updated now price of uranium uh, that's gone up more than doubled, almost tripled in price. I think that would highlight and showcase our deposit in a different light, in a more contemporary light. I'd like to think it's much, much more attractive. And then once we complete that and we complete the, the drilling in the surrounding areas, I think we'll begin our PFS, which I project probably will be towards the end of the third quarter or fourth quarter of this year. And that's a process that's an, it's an engineering study to process that'll take approximately 10 months to complete. And that's at the end of that process that we would be in a position to make a production decision. Nico, what do you think the chances are with the government there? You know, obviously there'd be some domestic needs, but this thing's already too big to just fill domestic need unless the mm -hmm. Argentinian government had some, they were wanting to stock material for the future. I mean, I guess they could take it all, but what do you think the chances are of the Argentine government becoming a partner in this project? Well, I'm not so sure. It would be, it would be something that we would have have to invite. Um, right now, there is a law actually in Argentina that stipulates that all nuclear reactors in Argentina, there should be given priority to domestically produced uranium to feed them. So right now, Argentina utilizes approximately half a million pounds a year. Um, so, and then with new reactors coming on, we could see that projection coming closer to a million pounds of uranium per year. Of course, even the old PEA here shows that Ivana could be has the potential to to produce much more than that. So, besides satisfying uh, the domestic need for Argentina first and foremost, um, we would definitely be in a situation where we could export. And there is, you know, I could see also the government perhaps trying to stockpile some of it, but I can't see them stockpiling everything that we produce. Well, that's always a good angle as well to mm -hmm. understand their potential involvement here and help with the uh, some of the risk and then also some of the financial responsibility of the project as well, whether it's certain structuring like offtake, et cetera. Right. Um, so very interesting to see that and excited to see the PFS stuff move forward as well. I think that that's important to demonstrate to the market that this is moving down a pathway that'll lead at some point either to acquisition or, you know, a construction decision to build out the project. Again, it's, it's, it's a very... Right straightforward, simple project, to be honest. And, and that's what is very attractive about it as well. Other projects, uh, do you guys have any immediate interest to work on some of your guys' other properties there in Southern Argentina, or is this the main focus to just continue to drill out in advance of Ivana? 
Well, we have in the southern province, uh, province to the south of Rio Negro, the province of Chubut, there is you know, probably about 150 or 160,000 hectares of properties that we own there. Um, it's that's if we tried to work on both at the same time for a junior company, it'd probably be more than what we can chew. Amarillo Grande, you know, with over 300,000 hectares of property and uh, 100, almost 150 kilometer trend is more than enough for us to work on. I think, uh, I think we want to really stay focused on that. And, um, you know, if as we move forward and we do a PFS, and uh, let's say, you know, the Ivana were successful in pushing that and going towards production, we would be in a situation where we could follow up on some of the other uh, interesting targets that we've been able to identify and see that we can, you know, make additional additional discoveries of, for additional uranium. I think it, that's probably the best way to add value for, for Blue Skies at, at this discovery stage right now, not so much at the production stage. I would agree with that. I mean, if the market conditions are about right to do that, sizable discovery here would be useful for the equity price. And then, you know, back at the office working on the, the PFS stage stuff, I think also makes sense if you can advance both of those together. I think that's probably yep. the the right way to do it at this point um, where we are in the market. And and if I can interrupt, and the exploration is actually quite cheap because, you know, these holes uh, don't go very deep. Uh, we're exploring within the first 30 meters or so of surface. So when you announce a thousand meters, that buys you a lot of holes. You don't need to go kilometers underground. And uh, that makes it very, very cost efficient. And the cost of discovery make, is it actually becomes quite, quite low. Are you guys using a drilling contractor out there, Nico, or you guys have your own rig or what's the status on that? No, we use a drilling contractor, a drilling contractor we worked with for, with years they, because they have a special type of drill rig because um, the uranium occurs in as carnotite, which is a uranium vanadium mineral. What it looks like is like a yellow dust covering all over these rocks and pebbles and, and, and grains. So um, when we're drilling, you these drill rigs are specially adapted to be able to recover all that dust so that we can be assured that we're getting the you know the right sample so that when we assay it it doesn't underrepresent uh, you know the amount of uranium that's found there Nico how about uh, community efforts here at this point I know you guys are obviously a small company but nonetheless you guys probably do engage in some community efforts uh, at the local level anything on that front you'd like to cover off through our Grosser Group uh, management team, we, we've always valued from the very first day when we went to Argentina 30 years ago that having this community uh, and social license was the most important thing uh, to be able to ensure that our project proceeds for, moves forward and proceeds uh, and develops properly. Um, we are always engaged with the community, uh, even though the project is situated here in Rio Negro in a very, very sparsely populated um, area. We make sure we have a dedicated full-time community relations team that uh, keeps local farmers and townspeople aware of what we're doing at all times and what our plans are and what our intentions are, because um, we always view it, you know, Joe Grosso, the President of Grosser Group always says, look, he goes, well, you know, no matter what we say, no matter how long we've been in Argentina, the local people, it's, 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 you know, this is their land. 
and we're visiting there and we got to be always be on our best behavior show their respect be transparent and gain their trust and consent to be able to move the project forward successfully because without that you know this could quickly come to an end very very quickly well nico i appreciate that uh just looking at schedule for maybe just give the audience a, a quick uh, shot um, of schedule looks like we've got maybe pfs starting uh, late this year and then also we've got uh, exploration work uh, ongoing at ivana is that pretty much on the books for the rest of the year yes we got exploration work going in ivana and the in the vicinity around ivana probably for the the balance of uh this year um we'll have uh, i'm hoping to have a new resource or possibly even a new pea in the in the coming month or two and uh, as a, because that's a quick desktop study, a lot of the work's already been done. It's just a matter of ensuring that uh, the resource uh, calculation gets done and uh, any updated uh, metallurgical work that may need to be incorporated into that because we ha always have ongoing metallurgical work uh, happening. So, and then in the fall to early winter, uh, we're likely gonna you know, begin our PFS study. So that'll take us into the following year, and, and that's uh, that's showtime. That's uh, production decision time, and uh, so the, it's a very exciting future over the next twelve months, I, I think here. And uh, this is where they're gonna we're gonna you know potentially we're gonna find more uh, uranium pounds that we can add to this, and uh, whatever we get, we're gonna move it forward and see if we can get some cash flow hopefully happening at some point. Well, for potential investors who are listening in, Blue Sky Uranium has a market capitalization of about 20 million Canadian dollars. Why should the company be considered within the institutional fund office and retail investor portfolio, Nico? Well, something like this, you look at the, you know, I just look over in, in Kazakhstan uh, where these similar types of districts exist and the, and the deposits and the deposits there are, you know, absolutely huge you look at the inkai mines over 240 million pounds of uranium at 0.03 percent and you know that's by the way the kind of grade that we're getting here too um this entire district has potential to to you know be a lot more than the, the just under 23 million pounds of uranium we currently have found now we you know it's got potential to be tenfold that uh, as we continue moving forward so as we add additional pounds i think the market is going to recognize that and that is really and at the expiration stage that we're at right now you know this puts our company in a real uh, potential inflection point in terms of market revaluation absolutely i think some of these companies specific milestones will be important amongst the improvement in the equity pricing which is certainly expected to happen uh, we'll see what the broad market has to say about that nico but very good information here. I, I really appreciate the update. And for uh, interested parties reaching out to the company, what's the best way? Well, best way is to uh, to contact us. Uh, you know, through our website, all our contact information is there. You can you can reach out to me, um, or you can reach out to our investor relations, uh, Sean Perger. You know, we have a toll free number at one eight hundred nine zero one zero zero five eight. We're always happy to engage and talk to potential investors and our shareholders. It's an easy uranium project. It's unlike any uh, any of the others that I uh, I see with our, amongst our peers. So it makes this really unique. So hopefully, you know, our you know your audience here considers uh, Blue Sky as a potential investment.
Well, thanks for coming back on. Appreciate the updates and uh, best of luck with progress at Blue Sky. Wonderful. Great. Thank you, Andrew.